Episode 434, No Laugh Track Podcast. We are here in Minneapolis, Acme Comedy Company. I am Justin Severson, the host. 434 of these bad boys, and I think this is the fourth or fifth with my guest today. I think it's fourth. I think it's yeah. four. Matthew Broussard is here. I'm, they keep bringing me back, those yes. fucking idiots. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Who do we thank or blame? That's uh, that's what I need to know. Oh, I don't know. Uh, yeah. Blind luck. Yeah. Uh, incompetence you could blame incompetence that they would just keep having me here yeah yeah Yeah, well i like it last time was august it was in august of 2020 that was more than a year ago Mm -hmm. okay yeah more than a year 2020 episode 385 for those keeping score at home and what a weird time that was because that was as things were creeping back it was yeah we were at one fourth capacity yeah all the chairs were just spread out around the room and random uh, couplets uh, here's, was, here's something funny. So I listened back to. I want to point this out to you. Uh, uh-huh. uh, how things have changed. One of the things you mentioned. Wh- I asked you about how comedy was going in New York at the time mm-hmm. and the restrictions, and you mentioned Cuomo. Mm-hmm. That's changed. Yes. Oh, I liked him at that point, didn't I? <laughs> oh, what a what a meteoric rise and fall. Yeah. Meteoric. Just just up, uh, up, up. Yeah. He was. Really? Yeah. It vanilla was Ice. Yeah. Just done. One and done. Yeah, right. Yeah. So we'll, so we'll see him on tour in 25 years? Is that oh, what you're yeah. saying? Yeah. yeah. He'll do some weird rooms. Yeah. <laughs> so back then it was, uh, you mentioned Cuomo, who mm-hmm. uh, is no longer in the position he was in at the time. And uh, he was talking about the stages, like stage three, stage four. Right. Remember that? Wow. What a trip. What a yeah. time capsule. I know. And we were yeah. talking, you know, and in hosting this podcast you know obviously covid has been a part of our lives for you know what seems like forever now but uh just like even knowing what tense to talk about covid in like are we still in it is it in the past i hear a lot of people say in the past but then every day there's more headlines about people getting sick we just had uh the closest covid scare in our house this really? past weekend, yeah, yeah, where my f- my daughter's friend's mom tested positive, wow. and my daughter was around, you know, her friend quite a bit last yeah. week, yeah, and she was supposed to spend the weekend at my house, and then we, ha- she was already there the day before. Anyway, we all went and got tested. Nobody had it. That's great. Yeah, yeah I've had a lot of people who got it, a s- friends who got it a second time. I haven't had a second scare. I had it initially. I had a round of it. Yeah, the original round before the Delta. I don't think I've got Delta. I got vaccinated and I've felt good. I've had yeah, no one too close to my orbit. Some some kind of close kiss. What's crazy to me is the amount of times I've retired and then brought back out COVID jokes. I can still do all of them and really not miss anything with COVID. Like I, I had some bits. I was like, well, why am I building this bit out? Why do I have three, four minutes on COVID now? knowing I'll have to get rid of some of it. I put some of it on Comedy Central. I'm like, oh, I could still be doing that. Yeah. It's not evergreen, but it's lasted way longer than I thought it would. I saw on your Instagram, I think, and it was a, a bit you were doing. Yeah, and I brought that back. The masks. The I mask opened one. with it last night. Yeah, You yeah. did? It's just, yeah, I can still do it. Cause certain <laughs> pl- I was just in Vegas, and Nevada makes the crowds wear masks, which can get weird because some people, we had one show where in the middle of a set, of the middle of the host set, uh, not set, his transition, he does like two, three minutes between in the middle of it, 
a security card comes to tell a woman to put her mask on and she shouts, well, if my, make him put his mask over his nose pointing across the room. To, to another patron? To another patron. To, uh, to another patron. I was actually standing there with no mask on. I thought she was pointing at me, but I was I don't have to wear a mask as an entertainer. Uh, and then the security guard had to just go, hey, everybody, listen up. You have to wear your mask. If they come in and you're not wearing a mask and you're not drinking, we get fine. And the, just bring a show to a screeching halt to just be a downer. Uh, and that's no, like, I'm always happy when a state like Nevada is doing that, though. You, you'd think that would be like Vermont. You, exactly. you wouldn't think a, 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 thinking, like, a purple uh, state, a red state. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, most people go to Vegas to cut loose and no rules. And and they're coming from Indiana. You know, they're coming from places where COVID never happened. Where they where they never had that. Where they right. never wore a mask. Florida. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that's been a real, real trip. I mean, crowds are back. You know, I think I think audiences aren't at full tilt, but in certain places, people are coming out again. Uh, the it's it's been the people who really want to come out. The crowds have been really great because of it, because it's people who are willing to brave sure all of this nonsense. So where they're, did they're uh, where it. were you in Vegas? What, where did you perform? The Cellar Rio. Oh, okay. Yeah, which is a great room. I'm so happy. There was rumors it was going to close, and it's back. Thank God. I go there for a week. It's a it's a showcase show. I always love Vegas. I like the hiking. So yeah, uh, for people that don't know, describe a showcase show. Showcase show means there's not a headliner. It's one host, and then each com then four comics do 15 minutes each. So it's more meant to like sample different comedians. It's and how uh, was that different or the same than the the cellar in New York. Cellar's the same in New York. Cellar's a showcase club. Yeah. Uh, usually places outside of major markets or do a headliner show where they fly in yep. a headliner and that person does, you know, 45 minutes to an hour with with an MC who does, you know, 5 to 15 minutes and a feature who does 15 to 30 minutes. Um, so that's more focused on one act. The cool part about big cities like New York, LA, Vegas, even Atlanta and San Francisco is you can see a smattering of talent. So yeah. there's a, something for everyone, hopefully. When, uh, how soon into the week, it's all, you're working with the same people usually all week? Yeah, all week, yeah. How soon into the week do you guys compare your paychecks and what you're getting paid? <laughs> I think it's a flat rate there, thank God, but uh, <laughs> hopefully never. <laughs> I There's got to be some of that where you're like, oh, she's doing that sh this show or I'm doing this show? Is there any of that? None. Where, you know, when you're on, when you're on a showcase, with like, a, or it just it doesn't matter, like the... And, and on a showcase, yeah, it's it's who's getting the most spots. You pay attention to who gets the most spots at what clubs, and it's very hard to get past. In New York, at least, you know, you, you compete to get past to certain clubs, and sure. once you are, and if you're in great rotation, there's clubs who will put you up, I mean, five times a week if you're really it, like in with certain clubs. Which Imagine getting five club spots a week, 15-minute paid spots in front of consistently good crowds, the amount of work you can get done, the amount you can work on your material – um, it's it's wonderful. Like New York's the only really city where you can do that, where you get weekly spots. Yeah. So along those lines, I don't know if you know about what happened here last week. Mm -mm. It was this annual crash and burn. Mm. Uh, it's uh, Tim Slagle's uh, pet project. He's been doing it. It was the tenth tenth year in a row that we've been doing this thing. At wow. Acting. And it's uh, Tim Slagle's the host. It's his thing, and then he invites three other comedians. And ever and at the beginning of the week, it's you have each comic. Well, every night, twenty minutes, new material. Whew. And they write together before shows, after shows. They all try to help each other to the goal. Different set every night? Uh, you're working on that same set okay, every yes. night to try to hopefully get 
20 minutes by the end of the week. Is that realistic? I asked them all directly, do you think you're actually going to leave your 20 minutes? And no one thought they were actually going to leave your 20 minutes. But right. 10 that you can bring on the road? Yeah, I mean, Have 10's you- a lot. 10's, 10's a good six months. If I can write good, a quality 10 minutes that makes it in my act in six months, that's a pretty good rate. Yeah, so they're trying that in, you know, uh, shows Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, to Friday, to Saturday. Yeah. Would John- you, have you ever done anything like that? Would you want to do anything? Not that I I'm would inviting love to, I, you, it's not to me, but would you want to do something like that? Yeah, I would love to do that yeah. because it's easy to just, you know, when you go up there, most of the time the crowd hasn't heard your material before. And even hearing your old stuff again is better than how bad new jokes start out and where to start from and how to really tag it out. It's such a slow process to really refine stand-up. I would imagine with something like that, you'd have to just make sure the subjects are interesting, right? Because you can you can carry a lot of silence if at least the story is compelling. That's true. I will tell you another, uh, another factor in it is that like the, the idea is they're getting crowds back that have that know what they're getting into. They've mm-hmm. seen this before, maybe in a previous year, or some people come, you know, twice in the week. Uh, you know, you get to see how they, how they change, how these yeah. jokes and these uh, everything changes throughout the week. That's a that's my girlfriend. My girlfriend last night went to see a secret show. They didn't put the name of the headliner, but it was a headliner show with a fake name. Okay. And she bought tickets to see it. And then when she gets in there, there's an opener, and then. Uh, I guess I can say this, Amy Schumer comes out with a notepad because she's working on a new hour and just does 30 minutes of pretty new stuff that she's just trying to get refined so that she can go on a theater tour. Yeah. So you get to see that work in progress process. Um, and a lot of big headliners do that. They just set up their own shows. Isn't I, that interesting? Yeah. That like, uh The differing opinions on that, like to do it that way where it's secret. Obviously, right. there's... Uh, there's been some in the past where people know it as a reputation. Mm-hmm. My ticket, you're probably not going to be disappointed. Right. Right. But, you know, others, you know, like Louis C.K., yeah. he's been go- traveling, practicing, you know, getting the new material to mm-hmm. go do, you know, bigger Secret shows. shows, yeah. Yeah, except they are announced. Yeah. I mean, they're, it's not a month in advance, but it's a good week in advance. I mean, the name's out there. People know. It's not like you're coming to the door and like, who am I seeing? He's just so fast. He's just, I mean, I, there's no one who really keeps up with how quickly he can refine and polish an hour. He can just get it right out there. And I think it might be a little sloppy for the first couple goes, but by the time it gets to your town, it, it looks, you know, to, to a untrained eye, like a polished hour. Yeah. And then by the time he films it, it's, you know, usually very good. So that's, those people all have the luxury of just being able to go out and fill up a crowd night after night. My girlfriend and I saw John Mulaney's new hour. He was doing, shows weeks of shows yes weeks of shows two shows a night most nights at city winery in new york and they all sold out thousands and thousands of tickets the room seats probably 200 but he'd just go have an opener and then he'd go and work on his hour night after night and by the time i saw it it looked ready to go so i don't even know what he was working on i watched i was like this is perfect already this is a full hour i haven't heard any of it because i saw him in 2018 2019 with an hour that was new yeah that was ready to go since his last special and he seemed to have thrown away all of that this hour we'll never see because he went through rehab and an intervention and all that and he's talking about that it was very good but he has that luxury of just having his crowd there night after night yeah. knowing it's in, in progress and that lucky bastard <laughs> Oh, so easy when you have millions of adoring fans, isn't it, John? Um, <laughs> Along those lines, 
How was your first night here last night back at Acme? It was great. It <laughs> yeah. was one, what a good crowd. Yeah. What a wonderful crowd. They were forgiving of some of my soft spots, so I was appreciative of that. Young, hip crowd. I had a great time. Uh, we need to address the introduction you were given last night. <laughs> yes. I think I wrote it down here. Uh, let's see. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't even know if that was part of it, but this was part of it. He's been on Comedy Central and other things. Yes. Matt Martell. That's right. I think he might have said Bartell, which is a little closer. Oh, was it Bartell? Bartell. Oh, interesting. Oh, I didn't even catch that. So there's a Chuck Bartell. So you <laughs> So there was a mix Oh, that's even better. I like that. All us more. white guys look the same. Come yeah. on, Chuck. Come on. Chucky. Chuck. <laughs> That was wild. That was I. It it made me fumble my first joke because I was just like I, I think I went out and I just said mangled, <laughs> the most mangled introduction I've ever had, and then I got his name wrong. Yeah. Uh, what? How much? When you go to a club and they like, does Acme ask you what to put in your? Like, did they read Comedy Central because they because you filled out something that said from Comedy Central and other things? He asked me what I wanted as an intro. I was like, "Oh, you can just say here from New York Comedy Central." I, I t typically more than one credit doesn't matter that much. Yeah. So I just give him Comedy Central. I like here from New York just to contextualize my jokes that I'm not a local. So if I start talking about okay. where I live, that's all I really need. Oh, okay. Yeah. So how the hour that you're doing now is that? How much is how much is different from last year, do you think? I, I, know I never know. Change with the pandemic. I know I've thrown a wrench I, in a lot of people's work. But. I don't know. I, I never have a good idea of how much is new. I, I'm always hoping for like 10 to 20. But I also switch up my set from night to night now. I, I recorded an album in 2016, and I haven't put out anything full length since. I put out a lot of short stuff. Yeah. So a lot of that still finds its way back into my set, my Tonight Show set, some Comedy Central stuff. I try to make sure it has some. It's either part of something bigger, or has more tags, or has been fleshed out since then. I don't know how people feel about that. I don't feel jokes like missing because people have heard them. I'm. I don't. I think about the point now where a lot of people just came to the club and that didn't necessarily know me. They might have watched one video. Sure. It's uh, hopefully very different from my album, but um, yeah, trying to just work on new stuff. I have a lot of stuff about my girlfriend now, about her, I, I, I can't remember what I was doing a year ago, because you just tweak little things, and sometimes I'll listen to old sets, and I'm like, oh, wow, that joke was so different then. It was like half-formed. I, I, I thought I started doing this joke in, what, 2017, but it's like, it's pretty different by now. Interesting. Yeah. So I don't know to answer your question, but I have some new stories and I didn't get to a couple new things last night. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I, so I've been listening to some episodes of the podcast that you do with your girlfriend. Thank that, you. Uh, and we talked about, I think the last time you were here, mm -hmm. uh, she does comedy too. Yeah. She does stand up too. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a fan. Um, and uh, so I was, I, I listened to the episode where you talked about getting ready for, you recorded like an eight minutes. Yeah, it ended up Com being eight minutes, yeah. yeah. How long uh, Comedy Central came to you and said, we're doing this new thing to put out? We're, we're still putting out comedy, but it's a, this one's going to be a little different than like a half hour, an hour. It's uh -huh. going to be a certain length online. So I did one of those in 2019 already, so I already knew the drill, Yeah. Uh, and I had a lot of fun with that. It's just a great way to put out a set because I'm always very reluctant to put out material, and then if someone asks me to, I'm like, well, let's go. Time to get it ready. Uh, this one was a little different because I got offered a month in advance. I think it was July. 
I got I got about three four weeks, and I have a set that's kind of burning a hole in my pocket. It's like clean about vowels and French and Jewish and all of that, and I, I realized that wouldn't be the place to do it. Comedy Central, it's YouTube. There's no content restrictions. Yeah, they're not gonna nitpick my set. I can just do whatever I want to do. So I had a bunch of jokes that I had been doing on rooftops and in parks during the pandemic in New York. And it was, it was to a crowd of younger, hipper people, more comedy savvy. So I got to jump into dicier subjects and, and, and play with tension more. And I thought how fun it would be to put out this stuff that has a, a you know, shorter shelf life, yeah. but a higher relevancy and to try to play with fire. I don't normally do that. And my that set was my attempt at that. And I also wanted to do shorter jokes so I could cut them up and put them online. I mean, is that not the it's magic the thing to do. you need to yeah. get into these days, right? Yeah, it's very weird because it's like I love having like a five-minute bit that all interconnects, but that there's no place to put that right now besides in a special or on a late-night set. So yeah. I thought about this as just a, a firing squad or a... Not firing squad, but you know, just uh, one after the other. Sure. Of of Rapid forty fire. second jokes, yeah. Yeah. And so I can cut them all up. And I had one of the clips go viral. I don't know if I could call it that, but uh, one of the jokes, just a short joke, like thirty seconds. I put it on TikTok, and it got a whole lot of views, oh, which really? was nice. Yeah. Which don't do the joke, but which one was? Uh, the one about millennials and gay marriage. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Which was one I was a little nervous about. No, I wasn't nervous about that one. That was just a fun one. That was a very new joke when I put it on there. That's I a was good joke. Thank you very much. Like yeah. Yes. And then uh, Adam Devine did that joke on his podcast. Uh, uh, like beat for beat, I got a message being like, sounds like he's doing your joke here. I listened to him. I'm like, it does sound like he's doing my joke there. So I sent him a very polite message being like, hey, did you maybe hear mine and not forget he was like absolutely i'm so sorry uh he was really cool about it because he gave me my first comedy central spot yeah he put me on adam divine's house party which was the first real job i got in comedy it got me an agent it got me out to la and uh he uh he gave me a shout out on the next episode he was just i haven't listened to it yet but i think it was just like go listen to his version uh you know, a tighter delivery or whatever. It was, it was, I love the guy already. It made me like him even more because we've all done that. We've all repeated something and we forgot that we heard it already. Yeah. And it, it was great. I, like he's, he's fucking awesome. Go listen to his podcast. I'm going to plug him now. Yeah. This you is know important what's funny? Pod. I, I did it. So I think I had a, uh, I think I Googled your name and that mm -hmm. was one of the things, one of the headlines that popped up. It was like Adam Devine's podcast and then mm -hmm. your name or something. And I didn't, <laughs> I didn't follow through and listen to it. I was running out of time, but that's how I found out that he even had a podcast. Just because yeah. Searching your name. It's the workaholics guys. It's a yeah. great podcast. Yep. They're so funny. Yeah. And he's a, he's a, he's awesome. He's so hardworking. He loves stand up. He, yeah, he's a great stand up. So that's awesome. That was, it was uh, my first thought was like, I'm not upset about it, but I could milk his guilt for publicity. And I did. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he lobbed it to you. You got to take yeah, advantage yeah, yeah. of it. Absolutely. Uh, that's always so awkward, you know, with such an awkward situation both ways. You're like, I think you might have heard my version, you know? Yeah, it's almost like, uh, hey, I, I don't want to, could you ask him for me? Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> could you send him a message and just be like, hey, I like Ma Matthew Broussard's version of that one. <laughs> what? <laughs> Got you what? Shit, 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 shit. Uh, so, let's see. I listened back to me here last time, and one of the things you mentioned in this, uh, I don't know what's changed. Well, I know what's changed in the last year, and this really uh, struck me. And then you, I think you're using it as a bit now, and I don't think you were then. What is it? 
uh, when reading and then playing audiobooks along with it. Yeah. That came up in a conversation with us a year ago. Yeah. And at the end of it, you were like, "There's a there might be a bit there. It's just such a fun... Every time I've I've been doing it out in public where I'm listening and reading at the same time, it just feels so stupid. And I've met a lot of people who do the same thing now, so I'm trying to write more about it. But okay. it's, it's a fun, short, stupid joke about... So it's, do you have ADHD? I think so, probably. Think so? Yeah, I take Adderall every now... Yeah, I take Adderall uh, when I need it. Unless you're my psychiatrist, then I take it every day. Interesting. Please don't reduce my dosage. What's the test to see if uh, obviously you haven't done it, but I've been, I've been, I think I have that. I mm-hmm. think my oldest daughter possibly has ADHD. Um, so I have some questions about that. When you take Adderall, how much is the like? How much does it change your concentration? It is wonderful. Uh, I can sit and not spiral out, you know, because you start one task and you see a little thing you have to do and you go do that and you go do that and then you find another thing and then you find them doing some very meaningless thing of just like alphabetizing your credit card expenses even though you set out to like write a, you know, write a script or something like that. So the, the task prioritization, it allows me to make sure I finish tasks before I start the next one or if I start another task to come back to the correct one. So that's why I like it. It helps me just... When I sit down to focus, I can actually get the things I need to do done, and I could go through the to-do list. All of those things I find easier when I'm on Adderall. I am a little like wired up when I do it. It's not a it's not a super pleasant feeling. Oh, Are and then I crash really person? hard. You're, like, do you write things down? I, I need to be. I have a to-do list on my phone because I forget the things I need to do. My girlfriend doesn't use to-do lists at all, which is wild to me. She's a very productive, very efficient person and she just knows what she needs to do and then gets it done whereas i'll spend all day and then i'll finally look at my to-do list i'm like oh that was due three hours ago and that should have been the thing i woke up and started working on um there's a yeah have you have you have you always had issues with um comprehension in books of reading yeah it was always hard for me i was always a little remedial like like so i was diagnosed with ADD as a kid yes and i was always in the remedial reading classes but then in in the advanced math classes so i always i took i took all the you know i did the thing you're supposed to do is take all the ap classes in high school and i remember i would i would make strong grades in math and physics and science uh, and not have to work at those. I don't remember cracking open a book to study. I would just do the homework and take the tests. Yeah. So that was where most of my the strength of my resume came from. And then I would take like AP English and AP History, and that was the bane of my existence. I would spend so much more time on it. I would just try to read and get lost and try to study and, and write essays, and it was such an agonizing and slow process. And I would those those would drag down my GPA. That was where I get Bs. Okay. And B minuses, and uh, just. It's that was why part of why I majored in math because it was easier than anything else sure. because I didn't have to read. So I'm in the process of moving right now in a from a, a house that we've lived in, my family's lived in for seven years. Mm-hmm. So there's quite. I'm already a collector, like mm-hmm. I hold on to way too much stuff, and so we have seven years of accumulated family stuff that we're moving out of a house, and I've been doing a lot of the moving myself, but it's. With with what I think I have and mm-hmm. the concentration, it's I mean, I start moving one thing and then see this and then I'm over here. Yeah. And then I want to go back to the other thing and I misplaced it because Oh, let I me s- organize this photo album oh, while I while Oh my I, yeah. god. Oh, hold on a second. Well no, I'm gonna I'm doing all this, but oh these books. I'm gonna get all the sports books together. Yeah. I need to get all the sports books together. It and doesn't make sense that they're not together. I like Adderall, but I do think 
you, I should be looking for a more permanent solution. I think you can train your brain to do those things. Sure. I think you can train your brain to do most things and just create a system of rewards and incentives that that makes you feel good when you give yourself that you know marathon focus. So I have a uh, there's a guy Patrick Strait. He wrote a book about Minnesota comedy, the history of Minnesota comedy. It came out within the last year. Mm -hmm. A topic I'm very interested in. Mm -hmm. I bought the uh, Kindle version of the book and have read some of the pages, you know, six times. Mm -hmm. And like almost 100% of the books that I own, I can't finish it. I just, wow. I walk away. Do you have that? Do you finish books? I, mean, I finish before books. Before you switch to doing the audio version with reading, did you have trouble finishing books? I have a very hard time and I don't, I, and I think it's. I used to. Uh, there is. Even a if I'm really interested. Oh, some some books I can actually dig in, but it, it is like, know when you're tapped out. There's also a time of day where you're like, I'm not comprehending very well. One of the one of the cool parts about audio with the reading is that you can actually see how well you're comprehending because it, it like if I'm fresh, coffeeed up midday, I can I can listen at one point six, one point seven speed. But if I'm going to sleep. I'll notice my comprehension falls off, and I have to drop down to like a one point two. Oh, I didn't and, think of and, that. And then I I did an experiment in the while for a while where I would read at night, and then I tried to wake up and reread the same chapter in the morning, and I could just see how much I missed by being in a fog, okay. reading in a bad state. Well, um, I would often try to do it at night, so yeah. it probably doesn't. I'm, I know that that doesn't help. And every couple books, I try to not do the audio. Okay. So like right now I'm doing one without audio. It has to be a good book though. Uh, non, I would do just audiobook versions of things, and that rarely stuck. They're, my favorite book I did audiobook, and it was just so good that I I think I got it, but I might reread it. Uh, Children of Time is this excellent sci-fi novel by Adrian Tchaikovsky. It's just really really good, and that was kind of what spurred me into reading a lot of sci-fi, which is what I'm doing now. Okay. Uh, nonfiction, I have a hard time with. I'll, I'll I'll force myself to read like one nonfiction book for every like two or three novels, and those are good for audio because, you know, there's not as much of a through line. So whatever little facts I pick up while I'm paying attention or not, uh, sure. those could. I, I like nonfiction because it leads to jokes more often. Learning about the real world yeah. and, and yeah, in, yeah. interesting information is a good place to start a joke with a, a piece of information that people don't know. Right, because then it's going to be more original and more interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I've I've forced myself to read a bit better. I try to get more than one a month finished. Okay, wow. Yeah, and okay. I just I just took a break because I just took an online class in complex analysis, and I tried to prioritize that. So and it was, I know that was wonderful. Yeah. So I noticed even like your uh, was it Instagram is kind of quieted down recently. What is taking? Yeah. So what's taking the place of that? What Instagram? Just anything. Like, what's I just try to post stand up on Instagram now, and I try to just post quality over quantity. Sure. It, I, I want it to be funny. If it's a funny video or funny tweets, I I blocked Facebook and Twitter, so I can't use them on my phone. And even when I because my girlfriend has the password, and online I don't see the <laughs> feed, so I can go to Facebook and I can post something, but I can't see everyone's posts uh, on Facebook and Twitter. And that's been great. It, 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 I don't know if it helps my productivity, but it certainly helps my mental health. Though I do kind of make up for it by being on Instagram too much, but that's not as toxic of a place. Yeah. Um, Interesting. 
I when I'm tweeting is a thing you can when you do it most days you start to get better at it and you start to have more hits more virality but then sure. you find yourself writing for Twitter yeah which is not writing for stand up they they rarely overlap there's some people who can read their tweets on stage my tweets almost exclusively don't work as stand up so now that's something that some people did uh, leaned on last week in crash and burn. Mm -hmm. They dug through their tweets like, yeah. oh, hey, this is something I might be able to work off of. Yeah. Starting points. Yeah. Um, I've been more productive with my stand up because of that. I felt because that because I always want to write jokes and Twitter's too immediate of gratification. So then I get that high and then I don't work on my stand up. <laughs> um, Steve Rogers, you know, Steve Rogers and uh, Caitlin Palufo. Mm -hmm. Caitlin told me a story that it might have been for her birthday. He came to her with a list of old tweets that she had done that had potential for stand-up. Basically went through all of her old tweets and been like, here's some stuff you posted and probably forgot about that I think you should explore on stage. And it's the most romantic gesture I've ever heard. And I've been meaning to do that with one of my friends, but we keep Aww. putting it off. Because I'm sure, I mean, I read old tweets of mine. I'm like, oh, I barely remembered writing that. I was yeah. so excited about that for one day. And then I was just trying to get the next hit. Sure. Yeah. yeah, it can be fleeting. Here's one that uh, connected with me. One of your tweets. Oh, let's hear it. Let's yeah. see how let's see how hack it is. Uh, well, this and this is going to show that I dig uh, when I'm looking for stuff because this is from I think maybe in the summer. Okay. Hardest part of buying any Apple product is throwing <laughs> away the box it came in. Yeah. And I can tell you, back to my move, I am. I, this is a confession. Which camera are we on? I'm going to look directly into this one. Do the big one. Uh, I have saved every apple product box of everyone that has entered my house in the last 10 years i have boxes from every from the two macbooks we own mm -hmm. from iphones going back to like the six the five or six i have all the boxes yeah why did i keep all i mean there's a tag on that joke that i put on instagram of because the box is the only part of it that will be working two years later <laughs> yeah you got that right yeah i know oh my god that's that's entirely accurate. So I have a uh, that one hit me hard because I have. I, I'm that joke is based on me. Why am I keeping these stupid things? <laughs> yeah, I, I, mean, I, I was, I was trying to, to clean up and I found like a pile of Laura's and mine, and I was like, we have so little space here. Why are we holding on to these? We've never used one. No, unless it, it could be a really good arts and crafts project because the the cardboard is so sturdy it's and very slick. sturdy. It'd be really cool to like build a robot out of that. But I even was like. Okay, are they worth like something like mm -hmm. monetarily? Mm -hmm. Not, not really. Yeah, not really. But the math I've been doing more of that's been also taking the place of some. It's it's we now it's funny doing math now because in college, and in when I was in the work world, uh, I would use comedy as a distraction from math, and now I'm using math to procrastinate my comedy. I have no incentive to actually learn this stuff. Well, what do you like? For example, what do you? focusing on in math though. i just finished a complex analysis course online it was um i wouldn't say i wouldn't feel comfortable going in and taking a a, a final in a college course but i did it did give me a grasp of some concepts in it that i i feel are very useful and i got to see the elegance of it why and now it had homework assignments What's why, did you, that? why did you do this now i've just always wanted to learn it so i've been tutoring some math uh just for fun 
And it makes me realize where my weak points were. I get to tutor college kids sometimes, which in classes that I only ever got like a B in. So, and then going through it a second time, you realize how much you missed and you, and because you've learned stuff down the road, you realize now why this stuff, why they were teaching you this stuff. The yeah. first time you're like, what is this for? And they're like, oh, in two years, you'll realize this is crazy useful and super elegant and, and has like actual meaning yeah. to it. Uh, so I, there was one class I didn't get the, I did applied math instead of, uh, uh, regular math mm -hmm. and we did not take complex analysis and I had heard great things about this course um, and it's something yeah math majors would take so I just did the online version uh, for free on Coursera and it was it's beautiful it's all the elegance of like calculus the stuff you learn at the end of calc I guess two but expanded it's an even more useful and more uh, yeah just beautiful places it's just it's just math with imaginary numbers is this going to lead to another class, or is your free Coursera done? Uh, <laughs> like mine was. I, they only had two <laughs> classes I really liked, and one was way out of my range. The other one was way out of my range. I want to find some classes to do, because actually, you can sit there and learn math, because I watch a lot of math videos now, 3 Blue, 1 Brown, Mathologer, uh, Vsauce, these, these YouTube channels that put out unbelievable videos that are so fun that really do do the nitty-gritty of the math part of it they actually do the equations and the cancellations and show why some really elegant formulas are true like uh one minus one third plus one fifth minus one seventh plus one ninth that's fractions of odd numbers yeah. alternating the sign that's it that's equal to pi over four which is wild. Uh, it, the, the, there's one proof that's not very satisfying, and I watched another video that has a proof <laughs> that is very difficult but very satisfying. And and it's this it's all kind of uh, recreational math. So I don't know you would ever use it outside of you know showing off in a math department, but uh, it's just neat, and it just feels like it, it expands your analytic. I, I think just challenging your brain to this stuff and actually sitting down and writing down some formulas and seeing if you can get the work to look like theirs is just good for your brain. Satisfying proof is a good uh, phrase. Like, it's Satisfying I mean, proof. So in advance of you coming here, I looked up, and I've done this in the past when you're here, I look up uh, just mathematics in the news, mm -hmm. see if there's anything interesting here. These are just three uh, headlines that yeah. uh, popped out to me. Um Mathematicians solve an old geometry geometry problem on equiangular lines. That's some brand new news in the math world. Uh, but here's one: mathematical analysis reveals how apples get it their shape. Huh? Yeah. And then there's a whole graph of the uh, growth rate versus like the like the dimple thing in the top yeah. of an apple and how big that is or small that is based oh, that's on. That's so cool. Growth. Yes, I thought uh, I could send you that link. And then here's another one. Mathematicians prove melting ice stays smooth and why that happens. And I read a little oh. bit of that article. These guys have been working on it for 30 years. Yeah. Yeah. The thing is, if, if, if there's a math equation being solved now, there's no way I understand it. <laughs> right? Yeah. I know. I started skimming through. I'm like, oh, uh, my the, eyes. I what? Boy. The proof of a brilliant mathematician. I guess I don't have. <laughs> I don't have the credentials to say this, but I'm very impressed if a mathematician can, in modern times, prove something that I understand. Not understand the proof. There's no way I could comprehend the proof. They're way too smart. But if they can just take, like Terry Tao has proved a couple things where I'm like, oh, I get what he proved. That's crazy. Okay. Like there's just a, there's some co a couple outstanding problems like Riemann zeta would take a long time for me to explain to you what the problem even is but it's 
with some understanding of it, you can be like, well, that's crazy. And they can't prove it at all. No, they don't know. They just, they can show through a lot of computers that yeah, every time it happens to be this same number that gives you this output, but we can't prove that that's always the case. We can't find exceptions to it. And they'll test it up to like trillions of numbers. Uh, but there's two outstanding mathematical uh, theorems, if, if I understand this correctly, or conjectures, because they're not proven. Uh, I think it's called Goldblatt's conjecture, which is very simple. Every even number is the sum of some two prime numbers. So uh, uh, maybe it's over a certain number, but like what six could be one plus five. And then what would the next eight could be five plus three, but you can keep doing that. And they've showed just by, they've tested the first couple oh, trillion numbers, yeah, that is but a good it's, one. it's, when you look at it, it's so random and there's no, they don't know that that's true. It probably is true. It'd be crazy if it wasn't because we've shown it. We've showed no exceptions ever through trillions of numbers. There's always some combination of primes, just two that's equal to an even number. Okay. Um, and they can't even prove that it's true, much less show why it's true. So something that simple, that's a crazy head scratcher. Yeah, that's a great example. And then there's one other that's, I can't remember. But that one's, that one's wild and that one's still outstanding. I, th I think it might be a millennium problem, which means if you can solve it, you get a million dollars. What? Yeah. Who's, who's million dollars? I don't know. Millennium problem uh, uh, from Oslas theorem, which is, uh, that was, I think it was out of the 90s. Um, and that took a long time to prove. So the story was, it was this simple, it's a pretty simple equation. A, so you know A squared plus B squared equals C squared, C squared yeah. right? So you can think of whole numbers. So N being a whole number and A, B, and C being whole numbers, right? Uh, you can think of like three squared plus four squared equals five squared. Those are all whole numbers. If you change the square to a three or a four or a five or any number above two, you can no longer use whole numbers to solve that equation. There's no, you can't, it just... Yeah, it would it would involve decimals or irrational numbers. So you can no longer do it past two. They couldn't find a single example of whole numbers. And Fermat was a uh, mathematician from hundreds of years ago, and he had did amazing, amazing work. And in one of his notebooks, they found in the margin, a to the n plus b to the n equals c to the n is not true for any integers with uh, n greater than two. And he said proof proof to be shown later. And then he died. But he said he had a proof of it, and then he died. Jeez. So mathematicians spent hundreds of years trying to solve it, and in the 90s, someone did, and they used some remarkable math. It, it just very sexy, out there, graduate levels of math. It was like a 100-page proof. Jeez. So I wouldn't begin to understand it. It's like manifolds and elliptic curves and stuff like that. But And, then and that guy made a million dollars. I think he turned it down. Yikes. Just yeah. out of... Just out of principle? Mathematicians are very weird. Yeah. They're very strange I, I was expecting you to go. Then they turned the page again. It was just filled with boobs. <laughs> 80085, yes. Yeah. yeah. He, I don't, actually, I don't know if he turned it down. There was one guy who proved something and did turn it down. He was a real weird guy. So final thing I want to talk about is uh, I heard on your podcast you were going to be on an episode of that Miss Maisel Yeah. Show. Yeah, I booked that in March. So that has not come out yet? Has not come out yet. Next First year, episode probably? of the new season. I, I had a feeling it was December, but it might be next year by now. Okay. Yeah. So one episode? One episode, couple lines, very funny lines. They gave me some a very funny exchange between two comedians. Um, and hopefully they'll bring me back. They they like to reuse people. And it was a very, very cool experience. I auditioned with a New York accent. I got to keep the accent and the role. 
And I showed up, 6 a.m., call time, Upper West Side at The Deli. You forget that it's a real place, but it's just a deli that they're always in with the turquoise and red. And I got my outfit on and we, no, I hadn't even put on my, my, my wardrobe yet. It was six or seven. The sun wasn't up yet. And all of us who were in this diner scene, which was probably like six, seven of us sit down just in chairs with the scripts in our hand, the director, uh, Amy Palladino, um, just says, okay, I want to hear everyone just talk through lines. You can read off the page. So we just sit there and read all of our lines. Um, I, I don't bumble mine, thank God. And then it gets to a dialogue between Rachel Brosnahan and Alex Bornstein, who are uh, Maisel and her manager. And Rachel, she didn't use a script. She delivered it with that with such compelling honesty that I almost cried. We're wearing street clothes, by the way. I'm barely awake. I haven't had my coffee yet. And it was just this riveting performance. And then at one point she goes, she's going through a line. She goes, and I want to be up there on the state on that stage or on the stage on that stage and that was the only word she got incorrect in three or four pages of dialogue she's really fantastic to watch she's as fun as she is to watch on that show to get to witness her live was really neat. and she was a pleasure to work with and it was just really neat it's the first show i've been on that i was already a fan of yeah oh that's cool yeah yeah too bad they're not all like that i suppose yeah or not I've been on shows that I just haven't watched yet, so not that they're bad shows, but that show I was into. So sure. Uh, well, when you come back in a year, we will break down all of those shows that you were just referencing that you didn't weren't fans of. <laughs> the League, The Mindy Project. Yeah, <laughs> they're not on anymore. I don't care. That, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, this has been great. Thank you. Thank you for doing this. And uh, people, well, I guess we'll do our audition now. Yeah, that's right. We're gonna. Yeah, I'm gonna help you do a little audition. Uh, yeah, right after I, we're done with this. I, I guess it's in poor taste to say what it's for, but this is a show I'm a fan of. It's a small character. I wonder if this will, when does this come out? Pretty soon, right? Okay. Um, it's a very funny show about vampires, and it's an audition for a small role on that. And I auditioned for lots. I, I've auditioned for hundreds and hundreds of roles I have not got. So there's a very low chance of me booking it. But I will say before I, I am considered for this role, I am a fan of this show. So Perfect. It's out there. Thank it's you. It's out there. Thank you.